And you are listening to 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at kpfa.org. It is 3 p.m., and up next is Cover to Cover, Open Book. Cover to Cover, Open Book. I'm your host, Nina Serrano, with my Poet to Poet series. Today's featured poet is Al Young. Al Young was appointed Poet Laureate of, Sa- of California in 2005 and is the author of more than 20 books and numerous awards. Today, I'll play you excerpts from the CD that comes with his beautiful book of poems, Something About the Blues, an unlikely collection of poems. The CD begins with a recording of Langston Hughes' classical poem, The Weary Blues, read by Langston Hughes himself, followed by Al Young's poem, From About the Blues. One of the poems that I wrote in Harlem in the 1920s is a poem called The Weary Blues. Droning a drowsy, syncopated tune, rocking back and forth to a mellow croon, I heard a Negro play down on Lenox Avenue the other night by the pale, dull pallor of an old gas light. He did a lazy sway, he did a lazy sway to the tune of those weary blues. With his ebony hands on each ivory key, he made that poor piano moan with melody. Oh, blues. Swaying to and fro on his rickety stool, he played that sad, raggy tune like a musical fool. Sweet blues, coming from a black man's soul. Oh, blues. In a deep song voice with a melancholy tone, I heard that Negro sing that old piano moan. Ain't got nobody in all this world. Ain't got nobody but myself. I was going to quit my frowning and put my troubles on the shelf. Thump, 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 when he's foot on the floor. Played a few chords, then he sang some more. I got the weary blues and I can't be satisfied. Got the weary blues, can't be satisfied. I ain't happy no more and I wish that I had died. Far into the night he crooned that tune. The stars went out and so did the moon. The singer stopped playing and went to bed. While the weary blues echoed through his head, he slept like a rock or a man that's dead. Dawn at Oakland Airport. Aggression keeps arriving, but almost never departs. As quiet as it's kept... Greed bops along for the ride. Do you need James Brown hollering in your ear at 6 a.m. when you've gotten all of two hours sleep, misread your itinerary, and coldly missed the flight? I can't stand it either, James. The godfather of soul and all the other godfathers share a mission this morning, and that's to put another hit on peace and quietude. You don't need no Johnny Cash, no saxophone quartet version of The Temptations, My Girl, no Goldfinger, no Ring of Fire, no Earth, Wind, and Fire doing Hearts of Fire. 
No jaunty disco deco from the decadent 70s. What you need is Z's and more Z's. Zambia, Zanzibar, Ziwatanejo. No, Canal Zone, Area 51, UFOs, out of here. Out of earshot, surely. And when two advancing armies in the war on silence conjoin, when the foreground music of Gate 10 Christmas across Gate 8's background music, you know no zone can ever be demilitarized again. Green, brown, the hills that ring this East Bay underdog airport can't compete. And sky, oh, lazy, hazy sky of summer. What brings you here in April? The sky is battling, too. Give us Slim Harpo. The sky is crying. Look at the tears roll down the street. Give us liberty to choose your death. The breath you hold whispers the unspeakable. Can things actually get any worse? Yes, saith Phoenix. Yes, saith Las Vegas. Los Angeles saith yes. And Houston agrees. By the time you get to Newark... Maybe the Sopranos and all the electric pianos in the world will have gone on break. A poem for listeners. It was Fran Leibowitz who told me that her writing students, she's um, an essayist and sometimes near-fiction writer. Creative nonfiction is what they call it. But she says that sometimes her students uh, have a hard time writing plausible dialogue. And she thinks it's because many people think that the opposite of talking is waiting. So this is a poem for listeners. <laughs> If uplifting those fanning ears, the elephant can hear ultra-high-frequency mating calls placed from miles beyond this deafening sky, then why can't sultry laughter like yours, all piquancy and sass, take off? The rumble of it sometimes makes its way to parts of me I long to tour, but haven't. In shining ring within ring, the satellite brightness of your laughter lights heaven at hand, outcircling itself like a rock dropped into a pond. If Ravi Shankar could hear the gouache, that's Nora Jones's father, by the way, <laughs> some of you may or may not know that. If Ravi Shankar could hear the gouache of anguish washing through St. Coltrane's cries, or if Ravel could hear the gypsy strains of Spain that ruffled his composure a borderline away, or if bats can hear the sound of fruit flies walking, and if every city makes and leaves its own sound print, then tell me, with your next hard laugh, what animal ancestor of ours flowered in the sound of the note the chord never needs to round itself out, but takes in? Thankful. Unpack. Relax. And I'll tell you another one. Thank you. 
one of the things that um, happens in poetry around the world is that it builds on everything that's come before. Poetry is much bigger than the kind of poetry we write right now. You know, I did this and I did that and I feel this and so forth. But it's no accident that all of the the spiritual scriptures all over the world are written in poetry. Poetry records history. You memorize things through poems and rhymes. It's a vast area. In new countries like ours, which is still pretty new, in countries where a cultural tradition has been interrupted and something else has superimposed over it, the emphasis is always on being original or new. But in traditional cultures, they build on what has happened before. I lived in Eastern Europe on a Fulbright in the mid-1980s, very specifically in um, Belgrade. And I was forever at parties where poets would get up and recite 10,000 lines of a folk epic that everybody in that room knew except Al Young. And if the, if the poet tripped up, he or she was usually drunk at the time. Everybody in that room would make them go back and get it right. So that when you read those stories about Yevtushenko and Vazhnashinsky and these old Soviet poets being in Red Square and there'd be half a million people standing around uh, at the poetry reading that they were giving, uh, you knew that they were building their modern poetry on very ancient stuff, uh, folk traditions. The closest we have to that is perhaps popular music. And uh, this is a poem that's in that spirit. April in Paris after Yip Harburg and Vernon Duke, who were both Russian-Jewish immigrants. Russian-Jewish, Italian, uh, the eternal immigrant, uh, African-Americans, uh, Irish, left us a, a vast body of song that uh, we still enjoy. It's become American classical music, for better or worse. April in Paris after Yip Harburg and Vernon Duke. It was here in that one-time, one-stop, lighted blue of Paris at ease, close to the Cluny and splendid, straight-up noontime shadow that your slow and measuring eyes met more than their burning match. The smooth warmth of your whisper along my neck, the nappy back of it where you'd peel back its soft, excited collar to tell me everything you'd learned or discerned in a city where love and prices flirt. A product of standstill winters, sudden summers, sultry prejudice, and heartland steak and whiskey afternoons. You'd blown in from the States, an orphan of the arts. Mary Cassatt, Josephine Baker, Mary Lou Williams, Jean Seberg. What breathlessness overtakes me here? brushing and combing out memories of your touch in a season as uncertain as coastal fog moving inland from the loveless edges of that country we'd both fled. I shiver. Whom could we run to if not one another? Back home, we knew what it was like to be the other, displaced, despised, imprisonable. We watched and fought the colors of loss deepened, yearning to break free, unconsciously American. We counted our chickens, certain that the ships we'd always banked on would sail in. In Paris, our adopted country of each other's arms, whose borders blurred all time, all common market sense, we saved the slow but steady squeeze of night, of time, 
the way it smothered darkness, the way it mothered light. The April of your frightened French was like that too. You had no words for holiday tables, for chestnuts in bloom. Parisian light, like light at home, Detroit, Des Moines, lit up your waifish eyes. I said, think twice before you speak. Over here, you mostly knew the blues. Who rhymed with blue? There couldn't be too much light or too much touch. Elevator over the hill after Carla Bly. That was one evil elevator. Had a mind of its own. It took you where it wanted and brought you back when it felt like it. This elevator went in for trying to crush people in its doors. And woe unto the unwary passenger who stuck an arm out to stop it. This elevator would just as soon snap a limb, just like like you would a popsicle stick. If you pressed ten, it stopped at two, three, six, and stuck at seven. Or, if for some reason, it whisked you all the way to the floor of your desire, the door wouldn't open. You could ring the alarm, but no one would ever be there to help. This elevator reeked continuously of strong disinfectant, unpleasant perfumes and colognes, takeaway fast food, garbage and farts, illicit cigars, and even reefer, some nights. Sometimes you suspected it of substance abuse. This elevator was a bring-down. It had a strong will. It must have been, it had to be, over the hill. Sundays in Democracies For Peter Zimmels Republicans, you're poor because you're ignorant of all the laws our Congress passed to cut the costs of schooling children who get tossed, nay, dumped upon society. While we do view with piety the right to life, we draw the line. Clean up your act. To woo or whine the loser class does not make sense. Let's get this straight. We never winced at taking public time to quarrel with victims, thugs, the huge immoral segment of the population in our great, God-blessed, rich, free nation. The Democrats. There was a time the GOP and all its crime got barely covered by the news, which only aired our sins and blues. What have they done for you, my friends? Is making do or making ends meet any measure of success? We back the same big business mess they do, but when we tighten your belt, we dig up Franklin Roosevelt. We've given you prosperity without their stark severity. The only thing we have to fear? Republicans. Now, is that clear? More parties, please. More Sundays in democracies. Each party dances, each side sings, one great big bird with two right wings. They'll boogie with you in the streets, then drag you down to dark defeats. Democracy? Look at our heroes. CEOs, billions. Labor's, zeros. Pure DNA, unspliced and spliced. If you think of oil as overpriced, consider what we're going to pay for giving frequencies away. The broadcast ban. I say, let's vote. Let's kick some butt. Let's rock some boat.
You've been listening to Al Young reading poems from his CD, Something About the Blues, which comes from the book of the same name. Al Young is California Poet Laureate, and he has sung and played the blues and incorporated the blues styling into his poetry. You'll hear more selections from Al Young's Something About the Blues here on Open Book on Cover to Cover. I'm Nina Sedan. A low-flying blues for somebody. Whoring my hands and back to move this military oil. Gary Snyder, T2 Tanker Blues. In these hard and hardening times, poetry looks and sees and then becomes an honest way to go. To speak to one another rather than get talked to. To listen to one another rather than one announcer. To look out and see one another rather than be watched and spied upon, and to touch and hold one another, rather than be handcuffed, imprisoned, and shot. What horrific differences. The unpublished picture of a young, now legless G.I. mother scrambling on the floor with her three-year-old daughter, the Rock of Gibraltar, the Rock of Iraq, might make a defense secretary, or a secretary of state, or a vice president, or an attorney general, crack up secretly, and laughter. To rule the world, you need some oil, crude but blunt and right to the point. Cut to the Chase Manhattan of it, barrel house the Bundesbank. Picture bales and bales of hundred-dollar bills bundled up in Latin America's and others' jungles, mildewed, rat-gnawed, pondering its own laundering. In these hard and hardening times, Poetry steps out and brings back the deadest of giveaways, the cleanest of getaways. Blue Monday The blues blow in their purity more than mine's. Blues blow through every sky and haunted heart afloat. They say, I miss you, baby. So I really went out and got drunk. Blues say, Fool that I am, I jam you in my toaster, burning brown like bread on fire, blackening in the afro-red Cadillac flame of love. Blues say, baby, you're supposed to be. Blues say, you're supposed to be so big, so bad, so slick. Quick, tell me, what is the distance from your heart to your... Lost Passport Blues Travel never was what it used to be, nor is to be or not to be a question Buddhists can tackle, much less crack. At dawn you wake up knowing you will not make the flight. Your geese are cooked. You've lost it. Your passport. The document that cements your departures and arrivals, your exits and entrances, your passing through doors the way voyeurs see-through stone and gut. Vienna, with her stately elegance, will not see you today, nor will she see you Monday, an American holiday, President's Day. To sunlight risen up and above trees and California dances, breezeways, you dedicate this morning. Poetry winks. Who knows where your sacred passport has traveled on its own? 
to what as yet unknown locale. Before Columbus cut his deal with the crown of Castile, who was lost? Who discovered what or whom? Bottom lines still dangle on the buy and sell of it. Passport? Rude explorers declare, we don't need no stinking passports. Travel never was what it used to be, nor is the here and now. Well, we think of ourselves as disparate uh, bits, little cocoons of flesh that are separate from one another. And this is what's killing the earth. This is one of the messages I got reinforced by watching Al Gore's powerful movie. Uh, we are all members. We are each members of one another. And uh, the very concept of the other is what's killing the planet. Uh, there is no such thing as the other. Uh, ancient peoples know, knew this. But in consumerist society, uh, we don't quite get it because commercials tell us this is our shampoo, these are our clothes, this is our toothpaste, our, my car, my shoes, and so forth. And we're raping the planet to hold up this, this falsehood. So, uh, I was sitting in Heathrow Airport and uh, I was listening to the announcements, arrivals and departures, and you know how romantic that can be. You're, you know, you're headed for Chicago and you hear, you know, it's the last uh, chance to go to Sri Lanka, you know. To, you say, I want to go over there. I don't want to go back to Chicago. So that's, that's, that's what uh, informed this poem, which is called uh, Distances. And, yeah, got it here somewhere. Distances. It's cast in couplets just because couplets are fun. And hard, and hard to write, by the way. Uh, most of the rhymes that we think are so original, uh, early users of English got to them, you know, early. They're only, for example, um, they're only five words that properly, most of our uh, uh, poems and most of our songs are love songs. And they're only five words that, that rhyme with love in, in English. And uh, the preposition of, isn't one of them. It works in American English, but it doesn't work in British English, which, you know, their of sounds more like suave, of, that kind of thing. And that's why I played with that in doo-wop, the moves. Uh, oh, baby, I love you. I'm always thinking of you. I place no one above you. You're doomed to hear that, for, a variation on that for the rest of your life. <laughs> Distances. To get to Tokyo from Istanbul, it's fun to travel when the weather's cool. To reach Madrid by way of Edinburgh, it might be best to leave from Glacamora. These Shangri-La you dream about comes close to meeting mute desire and Ivory Coast, the gold coast of the past, fountains of youth. All colonies project a light from booths and darkened rooms of mind. A picture forms and moves and moves again and spills and warms spaces between the heartbeat and held breath. The distance anywhere from birth to death, from sit to stand, from heat to holy snow, invents itself, unravels as you go. Saudade, the Portuguese blues. Perched at the railing of a Portuguese freighter, frightened inside, wavelengths from home, and known to no one here except the not-so-secret police, I'm struck by how that brown-skinned girl in a moon-knit dress and Sunday pumps beams from the pier below. 
Already I know next to nothing about her, and soon I'll know even less. But nothing could have possibly prepared me for her long-distance smile that gently bridges the mileage anywhere. How can I not be gladdened by sharing the way she shines in the late Lisbon night, a quivering blue glow seeping into the deep and rolling sea? Just see how she sways and waves at the sight of her father, the seaman, the ship's wireless operator, positioned just now at my left, right beside me. He's back in contact with his proudest connection, this motherless angel he's been bragging about like a daddy, all the way over from steamy Brooklyn to the shores of the Azores and on to the mainland and islands of me. Shaken to discover myself so removed from all the family I've ever known, I couldn't be happier than I am now, watching him hurry down the gangplank home. They charge into each other's arms, and then, peering up, squinting, shading his eyes, he signals me his last farewell. Ah, well, this is where I become a stranger again. An unraveled, woolly-minded, off-season traveler, all decked out with no place else to go, and no one to answer at these ports of call. Soon we'll be free to be memories of each other. But for one skylit minute, radiant and radio clear, another part of my head snaps on. It begins to crackle with a pop song from long ago about kisses and fundamental things. And time and I go drifting by. We flow with the last of the cool, salty light out across the dark dock water that cradles this crusty old boat. In fact, as I shoulder my pack of belongings, a longing overcomes me, and for chorus after chorus, I can still feel that flow, feel it pulling us apart, feel it nudging the swollen summer toward fall. Sighing, descending now, I can even feel how time will feel as it lightens my momentary burden of being all too young, all too wise, and far too deliriously alone. I was trained at UC Berkeley to be a Spanish teacher. I started studying Spanish in the seventh grade at Hutchins Intermediate School on Woodrow Wilson Street in Detroit. And I've never forgotten the morning when my friend Leon Reynolds, who would stay up late, we both wanted to be disc jockeys. So we were, we were secretly up late at night. And he would fall asleep in class, and Miss Sample, our Spanish teacher, said, Señor Ramos, ¿qué significa la, la frase miles y miles de gente? And, and Leon came up out of a doze, and he said, miles and miles of people. <laughs> For those of you who don't know Spanish, it's thousands and thousands of people, but I love that. I've never forgotten it. My Spanish heart, after Chick Corea. In audible dreams, I'm forever going back to Spain. Now tell me, what's that all about? Perhaps in some past life or lives, I lived there and cared about the African presence in Iberia or New Iberia, eh? Get serious. It's probably because... All my life I've been an all-night sucker for spicy rhythm, 
ticking and booming away like an Afro-Latinized gypsy taxi meter waiting to be fed that long mileage. Whatever the reason or rhyme, I can think of no better fate than to end up masking my nights in the gardens of Spain. And how Spanish is Spain? With a warm, bubbling, undreamed lady whose dark-throated murmuring is song, picture it. Just a couple of music lovers, all but wasting in moonlight. With poetry damp and cooling right up under our noses. Soft lips, a mustache. Aye, the possibilities of Spanish. The loving tongue. Listen. Listen, adios, adios, mi corazón. <laughs> Thank you. You've been listening to Al Young, Poet Laureate of California. I hope you enjoyed it. I have some cultural, personal, political news for you. I'll be marching in the KPFA No Nukes Contention in the San Francisco April 10th Peace Rally in March at Dolores Park. We assemble at 11 at Dolores Park on the corner of 17th and Dolores. And the rally begins at noon and we march at 1.30 p.m. on Sunday, April 10th. The KPFA New Nukes banner is going to be flying. No nukes, no nukes. What do we want? No nukes. When do we want it? No nukes now. <laughs>